along with us. He's one of the best baseball writers in the business, and he's with MLB.com, one of their lead columnists, Richard Justice. And, Richard, you may not have heard my entree into that topic. In football, you got to report injuries and everything, and I know that's a once-a-week sport, and they, they like to have it on the upside, the kosher side of things, to, to let the public know certain things about injuries. The Tampa Bay Rays come into town this week. They announce their first game starter and leave the other three starters totally unannounced. Is there something that needs to be done, or am I just um, frustrated for no reason? Do you know who's starting today? Well, it is now. I, I just happened to look it up, and I guess mm-hmm. they've made that decision since the end of postgame okay. last night uh, until it now. It's, no, it's Jose Alvarado. Jose Alvarado's starting the game. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think. And and welcome sure to the show. That? And welcome to the show, Richard. Well, um, <laughs> a friend of mine, uh, a family friend, is supposed to pitch today, and he was told earlier in the week <laughs> – I think Alvarado will go the first inning, right? They're trying to get him right. right. He's right. been all messed up. Right. Um, so this guy that's going to follow, I think it's Austin Pruitt. <laughs> he got a text earlier in the week, be prepared to start Saturday in Baltimore. And then I think there was a follow-up text, or Durham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So You know, uh, I think all these teams now are just trying to work their way through things. Yeah. And try to figure out day to day, and it's what we look at. You know, um, when we get to the postseason, I don't even know if there's if you got Verlander and Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, Clayton Kershaw, Hunjin Ryu, you're going to have a rotation, okay? Mm-hmm. You got Shane Bieber, you're going to have a rotation. But I think in a lot of these situations, especially the way the state the Yankees are in and the state the Rays are in, you're just trying to figure out how to get 27 outs when uh, the Brewers started uh brandon woodruff and he faced i think one guy last year right in the postseason or was that miley, asking, or was that miley that started and faced one guy yeah maybe maybe it was, it was yeah miley. he was an remember. opener faced one guy and came out of the game yep. yeah yeah and i remember asking Ke- um, aj hinch that day i said uh, what do you think about the ethics of doing that and he goes i think the ethics are that you can use your 25 man roster to the best of your ability mm-hmm. now in the case of that game at dodger stadium it didn't come totally out of the blue, right? You know, but it's it was the Dodgers are primarily a last year at least were a platoon team, Peterson and Bellinger in particular, so maybe it could cross you up. But that's that's the new um, game we're in. I was just looking at the Rays coaching staff. It has a process and analytics coach on the staff. Uh, his Jonathan Ehrlichman is his name. He's got a math degree from Princeton. <laughs> and Kevin Cash, of course, has nicknamed him J Money. <laughs> it, they have a, a major league mental skills coach. Mm-hmm. They have a lead sports dietitian and baseball performance science on the staff, and an assistant sports dietitian and baseball performance science. This is what happens when you let the smart guys in the room. They're gonna they're gonna do things a little bit differently. Uh, I know it's not probably first and foremost on your mind or Craig's mind, and it isn't the first and foremost thing on my mind, but betting on baseball has historically always been about betting on the starting pitching matchup of that day. Do you know anything about that and how bets on the Rays games, for example, have been affected by their use of the opener for a season and a half now? 
Stan, I don't even know how to place a bet. Okay. But I do know that the most two most lopsided favorites in the history of baseball have been in the last three weeks. I know. One was Verlander pitching in Baltimore against the Orioles, and the other was Verlander pitching against the Tigers on, um, was that Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah. I don't know. It was Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. And as the great Jim Henneman would say, that's what you call a reverse lock. Reverse lock. The Astros lock. lost both those games. Yep. Uh, did that have anything to do with uh, Verlander's angst toward this writer and your thoughts of the ethics of uh, what the Astros uh, allowed him to do, which was usher a man out trying to do his job? Well, it had started on – they have a history. And it, what bothered me in the coverage is nobody said what happened between the two. Okay, um, that's the, fair. The Astros, uh, the Astros barred a guy last year. And the BBWA, the baseball writers, supported them in doing so. He had overheard a comment by Dallas Keuchel and put it on Twitter. And um, it got Keuchel in trouble with the fans. You know, now there's two ways to approach it. You can take the guy's credential or, you know, the way I think the Orioles historically have done it is let the guy in there and let the let, let Charles Darwin's theory Take a, take hold, you know. They beat the hell out of him. They beat the hell out of him. <laughs> Normally, these things blow over. But anyway, um, Verlander was talking to a guy from a, the Detroit News on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. It was Monday. And this guy walks up. They obviously have a history, and Verlander says, I'm not answering any questions if you're here. And um, that was it. And mm-hmm. so Wednesday, they kept him out of the clubhouse until Justin did his little five-minute thing with the media. And then the guy went up to Justin and tried to talk to him. And Justin said, I'm not answering your questions. They had a long – it was something that happened right before the trade in okay. 2017, and Justin felt like the guy's ethics came into question. Um, and uh, I had heard that they had talked it out, but obviously they hadn't. So the issue is, were the Astros right to keep the guy out? I would say no, but if Justin said, I'm not going to talk if he's standing there um, – I'm going. Uh, that puts him in a bad spot. I I was told telling somebody. I said, Eddie Murray uh, didn't speak to me for ten years, and it worked <laughs> so well. He signed up for another ten years. And there was one. There was a scene at Dodger Stadium where uh, uh, Eddie would tell the Dodgers. He said, "If if anybody from Baltimore is in this group, I'm not speaking." And so Kirkham would pop his head up, and Eddie would just stop in the middle of a sentence, just stop, become a stink. Timmy would walk away, and Eddie would start talking again. Timmy would come back, Eddie would stop talking again. So <laughs> these things have been going on. Um, I know who was it? You guys? Who was it that Frank Robinson put up against the locker and had his hands around his throat? Who was that? That was somebody we all know, I believe. <laughs> I don't remember that. Huh? And it uh, it blew over. You could ask Henneman about it. It blew over pretty fast. It wasn't Henneman, but it right. blew over pretty fast. So. You know, uh, what bothered me was people using an excuse to start talking about the First Amendment. Right. Claire Smith of ESPN compared Verlander to Donald Trump and dealing with the media and all. I I have never had anything but good experiences with Justin Verlander. He's a total pro. Same here. He knows what you need, gives it to you. You know, and that was a gut-wrenching loss. It was a nine-inning, 99-pitch complete game. He allowed two base runners, both home runs didn't pitch from the stretch one night. And you had to ask him, like, what was it like facing Miguel Cabrera? 
and knowing, you know, because you could see, I mean, they'd never faced each other before teammates for 13 years. And Justin tipped his hat to him before he stepped in. And he goes, the guy wouldn't shut his mouth. He's like, oh, you're going to throw me curveballs. Is that the way it's going to be? Blah, blah. He goes, I'm trying to bear down. And the guy said, bye, 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 bye. And he goes, but that's Miggy. He shows up at the park. He doesn't have any bad days. And he was great talking about it. And he was great talking about the circumstances, the weirdness of the game. The Astros had two guys thrown out at third base to end innings, including the ninth inning. Just a weird, is a weird game. And, um, they kept the guy out for five minutes and all hell. It gave all these people on Twitter a chance to be self-righteous. And there is nothing the media likes more than, than being, being self-righteous. self-righteous. Got to ask you a question. But I don't about- think they should have locked him out. I mean, I don't think they should have kept him out for five minutes. But I do- also don't think it was uh, the equivalent of uh, the stock market collapse. Yeah. Do you? Uh, Although one might have led to the other, you never know. <laughs> Do you have the uh, any any thoughts on the way the Nationals are playing right now, and the fact that uh, they lead the wild card now by two full games, uh, and, and the fact that they've got uh, seven head-to-head meetings with the Braves coming down the stretch, and they're only five out in the loss column there. And let me throw in a, a little add-on to to Craig's question uh, as to how close were they to possibly pulling the plug on Davey Martinez, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't think they were. I don't think their management is big on paying off contracts uh, and having two guys, paying two guys to manage the team. I just don't think so. And I think when Mike Rizzo looked at the larger picture, he said, our problems are me. I did a bad job of constructing the bullpen. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Everybody's ripping for that. But to me, they had lined up going into the season from the ninth inning backs, uh, Doolittle, uh, Bearclaw, and Rosenthal. I felt the bullpen was going to be a strength of the team. I did and too. everything bad that happened to that team goes back to the bullpen. The bullpen yep. affected the offense. It affected the rotation. And obviously, it affected Sean Doolittle. He, I think eight times he asked him to get multi-inning saves. Right. And eventually, a guy's going to wear down. But right now, there's not a more dangerous team than Washington. Because you go into the playoffs, against them, and they got those three monsters plus Anibal Sanchez to pitch. That's a postseason rotation. That's what's funny about this season. You look at Cleveland, you don't want to face Cleveland. You don't want to face the Dodgers. You don't want to face the Astros. And the Yankees, you just get like, okay, can you win this way in the postseason? But I love them. You know, Anthony Rendon is from around the corner here, and he's finally getting the love he deserved uh, for being a great player. And you looked at, I looked at him in spring training. I thought, this is a perfect team. I call them a perfect team on Kornheiser's show. It didn't look too good for there a couple of months <laughs> because they had those kids, Robles, Soto, Trey Turner. They had team speed. They had veteran guys. And in the offseason, they brought in clubhouse presence. They brought in uh, Anibal Sanchez, who's a big guy in the clubhouse, Jan Gomes, Suzuki, and Brian Dozier, those are all guys looked at in the game as uh, the adults in a room, and that's a good thing to have when you've got a bunch of kids trying to figure it out. You mentioned Anthony Rendon, uh, and you finally getting the recognition. But in does my, he like you, Heisty? Oh yeah. Does he, does he take? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, he, I hate to hear that. Well, no, he he'll he'll come. I have to do the post game interview when they're coming off the right. field when they win on the radio, and. Yeah. And one day I just looked at Anthony. I said, "I need you for two, you know, minute and a half." And he comes over to the yeah. dugout. He kind of throws his arm on the on the railing there. He goes, "I am so tired." <laughs> and yeah. I said, "I said just just one." And then I asked him about 
you know, the, the bad start you got off to, and now, look, you played your way right back into this. He looked at me and goes, we weren't worried about that. That was all you guys freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me tell you a story about him. You know, he went to Lamar High School, Inner City High School in Houston. He went to Rice University. And Rice University is a pretty high-end school academically, and they've had a great baseball program. Guys like Lance Berkman came from there, Paul Yanish, which you guys know. What they'll tell you at Rice is we've never had a better human being in oh. our program than Anthony Rendon. No question. He's the finest person we've ever had. And, uh, you know, I, I guess he's not always available to the media, but uh, like in, in spring training, some of the guys are looking like he, he's happy. And uh, that, how guys Richard, are you moving around? Are you moving around? You moved into a cell or something. We just lost you. I'm, I'm just uh, sitting right here. All okay. right, all right. Well, I'll tell you one thing about Anthony, and that's this. Uh, in 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 what you're saying about a great guy, you have no idea how much it is to try to get him to talk about himself. If he goes right. four for four in a game, hits a grand slam, drives in five or six, and we've had a couple of those games with him, you know. You ask him about it, and right away, well, you know, the pitching staff set all that up, you know, and, and you know, the, without the teammates getting on in front of me, I've got no chance to do that kind of thing. Never a self-promoter, and that hurts him to a degree, but what you said about being a human being and, and one of the best guys around, that's absolutely true. Yeah, you know, and he just has no use for the fame. And I always wondered, like, was this a reaction to Harper – being this always being the center of attention and all that like he did not want to go to the all-star game and he admitted that ryan zimmerman told him hey you don't know how many times you're going to get this opportunity you might want to take a second and third look at it but that's that's just who the guy is yeah and, and, you know you, you appreciate the guy you appreciate the guy being honest about who he is and, and what he's all about so let me ask you the key the key question with rondone he's got the same agent as bryce harper he's dealing with the same team but there is a difference in personality. Uh, is his humility going to play a part in this, or is this just going to go the same way that the Harper thing did eventually? Well, I cannot see him making a free agent tour. I just can't see him doing that. He's going to be home with his wife and baby. And um, I, I w- I, my, if I had a guess, my guess would be that he'd re-sign with the Nationals, and if it's not the Nationals. But they got to get it done. they they got to step up. And and he he like Strasburg will won't be. I wonder what he. Hmm. Texas Rangers are moving into a new ballpark next year and all of that, and I wonder if that appeals to him. Okay. That could be by you know the other part about that too is somebody had asked Bryce earlier this year uh, about whether or not he signs, and and Bryce basically said there ain't no way he signs back there. And I think we lost Richard with that. I think we lost Richard. Yeah. yeah. All right. Can you try him again? Yeah. All right. That's that's interesting. I heard that, that click, said, and I <laughs> I heard that click too. That's interesting. That Bryce. When did he say that? Like a couple uh, of weeks yeah, back? No, no, no. This is a couple months ago. Meaning, when, when, like just, he's you know, never going to sign back. Right. He just said, you know, he's going to go to free agency. Okay. Well, I know that's that's Scott's preference. Is yeah. Well, to absolutely. Take players through free agency. That's the right that they've. Uh, you know, negotiated for, and uh, we'll see if this works better. I think we got Richard back. Huh? We got Richard's back. Richard, Sorry you're there. All right. Uh, Craig had alluded to the fact that Bryce Harper said 
uh, several weeks ago that there's no way he's going to sign back with the Nationals without going through free agency. Right. Well, that's the that's what Scott Boris believes, and he sells that to his client. And with all the labor issues in the game, I think it would be important. I think Scott would will tell Anthony it's important to to see what the market is for you that you you and Garrett Cole are going to be the top two guys and Scott represents both of them but I just uh, I mean going through free agency I guess that means Scott uh, fielding the offers as far as just getting on a private plane and taking a tour around uh, Anthony is not going to do that I can assure you that yeah I I totally agree with that Uh, but I if I'm the Nationals I would like there, there are always teams that have concerns are our offers getting to the players? And when you make offers during the season, I think a lot of teams put letters in the players' locker. And I, I'm not—I mean, there's an ethics issue, and I, I'm not accusing Scott Boris of being unethical. My, I guess my larger point is, you, you have to get this done. Yeah. If you're the Nationals, you have to get this done, and it's going to be a big number. And you know, I mean, it's. I, I guess I, just, the, I can't imagine you're not going to get this done. I get. I guess at the end of the day, it comes down to how big a number. If if Machado and I think I think Anthony is a better baseball player than, than Machado yeah. and and Machado and Bryce. But does he get that much money? Does he in the three hundred million, or is he a guy you could get at two thirty or something like that? Well, I think I think the Rangers will play pay the going rate. Okay. And uh, and I don't know what the going rate is. The going rate is how old is Anthony? Is he twenty nine? Uh yeah, yeah. 20, and yeah. so I mean, going rate is <laughs> five years at one hundred seventy million or something. I don't right. know. Right. I mean, it's a big number. Right. And I know we're going through it here in Houston with George Springer. I think the comp on him would be Paul Goldschmidt, and whatever's happening, they haven't. They haven't come to a meeting of the minds, and they're nowhere close, apparently, on Garrett Cole, who does want to go through free agency, and he has a home in Southern California, and the Angels are a perfect fit. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I look at the season Machado's having, and I, and I look at the trend of his career, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to get into the position to say I wouldn't want him on my team, uh, but the amount of money he makes, and he's hitting 265, and his one base percentage is three. Is career-wise is like three thirty-six. Um, I just think he's a very much overpaid baseball player. Yeah, well, he was twenty-six years old yeah. when he went into free agency, and you just don't get a chance to get players like Harper and Machado that often in free agency. The best players aren't most in a lot of cases aren't hitting free agency now, so it was a rare opportunity to hit to to go to your game. And if you're trying to like justify the money, be sensible in the money. That's never going to happen. Andrew Friedman said the Dodgers guy said last year or a couple of years ago. He said, he said if you try to if you try to be logical in free agency, uh, you're going to finish third on every free agent. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny when you think about Bryce Harper and all of that that was going on when you know the off season came around and whether or not the Nats were going to sign him. And and I said at the time, I said, you know, are they a better team with him? I kind of think so. But can they afford to not have him come back? Yeah, I think they can. And, boy, have we been proven right with – I mean, because right now Juan Soto at 20 years old is 
the, the hottest thing out there. And if you haven't seen Victor Robles throw from center field, you're missing a real treat. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they invested their money in, in Bearclaw and in uh, Rosenthal yep. and most notably in Corbin and Sanchez. I mean, yep. they Harper or no Harper, Mike Rizzo did a tremendous job constructing that team. Now, in hindsight, he didn't do a good job on the bullpen. But at the time, I thought the bullpen was going to be really good. Yeah, I thought... It hasn't turned out. But if they go to the postseason, you're going to get Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg. That's a pretty tough assignment. Hey, I want to ask you a question. Craig and I got into a, a, a back and forth. Screaming match. A sc- well, it was a screaming match, but it was on uh, Facebook. We were texting one another. And, and you know, notice how Richard diagnosed that right off the bat, a screaming match. No, I wasn't a screaming well, match. Well, because he knows both you and yeah, I. Yeah, he does know <laughs> All both caps. of us. Is it all I'm, caps? All, all caps. Hey, I've been playing fantasy baseball for a long time, <laughs> and it seems like almost every time I've got a pitcher on the IL and he comes back after any great length of time on the IL, you, you're dying to use him and to, and to get the, the performance, and it always comes back to bite you. Now, this wasn't a horrible performance the other day, but I'm talking about the efficacy of whether you send a guy down who's been on the DL for nearly a month, uh, and have him pitch that first four-inning game in the in double-A at Harrisburg, or whether you do two sim games and have him pitch in the major leagues. Your thoughts? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about Scherzer. Yeah. I would have sent him to the minors for a, and, and for my, a four-inning outing. But he did two, he did two sim games, he right? He did two right. sim games, right. I, thought, I just think – I'm going to – I just think – you only have so many bullets with Max Scherzer during the season, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have him firing them all in game competition in the major leagues. Also, it's just different with Max Scherzer. He's a uh, he's a guy that you you say to him, Max, you ready? And he goes, I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> you don't say, you know, I think I'm going to send you back. No, you just you let him go, and you and you, tr- and you trust him. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. and see, I think the the bullets but that are fired, that the bullets anybody, that are fired. How many players would you put in a? conversation with Max Scherzer. Not many, not many, not many, not many, but I, but I'm talking about all pitchers I've seen. And that was a game that you're trying to win against Pittsburgh and granted it's against Pittsburgh, but he wasn't his optimum self the other night. And that could have been, no, the, they were just, I think I don't think that, anybody, they were just trying to get the cobwebs shook off right. and pray that he woke up the next morning feeling right. decent. And I don't think anybody expected his optimum performance, but he was on a pitch count limit of 75, maybe my, 80 my point at the is absolute that you most. Yeah, but, and, and Heisty knows this, that, uh, when, that you know, when they come in every day and look up the lineup card and it says Scherzer, mm-hmm. it changes the room. No question <laughs> I mean, about it. You're, you're, you're go- you feel like we're, we're going to win today. I mean, I would see it. When Roger Clemens' name would be on the on the on the line, they going like, "Yep, we're going to win today." So, so a sim game where he's pitching and he's throwing those those bullet those valuable bullets that you say are right. in his arm. How what percentage is he going in that game versus if he goes to Harrisburg? My point was, I would have rather seen him throw one sim game, then go down and pitch in Harrisburg for four or five innings, as opposed to two sim games. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think if you if with Max, if he's going to throw in a game, you want him throwing a game at the big league level. Okay. And a sim game is just to sort of let him work out the kinks. Right. And okay, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? If something starts barking, stop right now. And I think also they like to have him there 
for the major league staff to look at every mm-hmm. throw and, and to say, uh, you right. know, did he grimace on that pitch, all of that stuff. I'll tell but, you how. But I think cause it comes down to do you trust Max Scherzer, don't you? Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you how, how uh, realistic that sim game was. The second game, they brought the yeah. boom, they brought the boom box out uh, behind <laughs> the mound, turned the music up, let Gerardo Pera hit against him, and they played Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. What was uh, Max wearing a uniform? Yeah, yeah, like Absolutely. a regular game uniform. Yeah, yeah, he was out there in a regular game uniform. Yeah, better not be putting that hat backwards, Max. We're gonna find you, <laughs> Richard. Before we let you go, we got about two minutes. The you mentioned the Yankees at one point. Are the Yankees good enough with the starting pitching they have? Uh, on paper, uh, can they win this whole thing? Well, let's say they get Severino back. And then uh, was it Paxton pitched last night? One of the lefties pitched last night was pretty good. Right. So they have guys who've had success. Can they do it getting nothing out of the starting pitcher? No. Nobody's ever done it this way. But having said that, they've had the best record in baseball for the last three months, and the starting pitching has, for the most part, stunk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and but, you know if you could line up, if you could get Severino, and that's probably unlikely, but you got Tanaka, you got Paxton, Hap, and but like you were talking about, teams not announcing their starters, you're going to go batter by batter, <laughs> right off right off the get go, and you have to use eight guys to get through the game. You're going to use eight guys. Well, the X factor in all of that too might be CC and whether or not he's able to help them, even if it's just yep. for four or five innings in a game in the postseason. Oh, Lord, if you get four or five innings out of him, they'll throw him a parade. I mean, yeah. the postseason's just different now. You don't you go into it saying, we're gonna, I'm going to manage with my hair on fire. I mean, it's not going to be like where you hand the ball to Jim Palmer and go, uh, we'll see you back at the buffet table. Last thing for me, were you at Cooperstown? I was not, mm. but I've been. I, oh, I know Boy, that. <laughs> no, I'm talking oh. about for the induction. Oh, oh. Moose's oh, induction. Uh, yeah, Moose's I don't know. I, I don't like know. It. I don't know who else got in, Richard, but I know Mike Messina's a Hall of Fame. Well, did uh, <laughs> did he? Have you had any? What, what's been your interaction with him since he got in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I said to him, I tried to get him on my show twice, and he texted me back twice and said that he couldn't do it. He was traveling. Then he came here and threw out the first pitch, and I said, I'm going to call you again. He says, and to get you on my show, and he goes, You can call me. I can't guarantee I'm going to go on the show. <laughs> What does he do with his days? I, I, you know, he coaches at Montoursville High School, and right. I'm sure his his routine gets a little bit more hectic now because he's a member of the Hall of Fame. But you're not changing Mike Messina that much or the personality. The, that's the thing. I don't think there's ever been a player as unassuming and as de- decent and just normal as this guy, and nobody's going to get in his way. I mean, yeah. nobody's going to change you who this guy is, you know, like, I can't see him showing up at card shows. Nah, I don't think so, Craig. Nah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just hey. walk up behind him and then at, the, at his locker and he turn around in front of everybody and go, yes, Craig. Speak, <laughs> speaking of yeah, – Or, Craig, that is not, not in the form of a question. Right. <laughs> speaking uh, speaking of the Hall of Fame, Richard, uh, Jeff Idelson has stepped down after yeah. a great run. Uh, your thoughts on his successor, Tim Mead, who used to work for the Angels for a long time in PR. Um, if you, Tim Mead is one of the greatest people I've ever known. One okay. of the most decent person, one of the biggest hearts. 
and one of the finest human beings that has ever graced Major League Baseball and the Hall of Fame is so lucky to get this guy. And what Jeff Idelson did in helping the Hall of Fame uh, move forward in terms of fundraising and taking and expanding. He did an amazing job. Outrage around around the country with Hall of Fame exhibits. Tim Mead is the perfect guy, and he loves the game like nobody you'll ever know. Did Jeff play a part in finding, you know, figuring out who the right guy was to succeed him? I would think so. I know they had a long, they interviewed uh, quite a few people, including some that we know. Right. And uh, I think they were surprised Tim wanted he'd been in Southern California his whole life. And basically, his adult life is the Angels. Mm -hmm. You know, like when they won the World Series, it was so personal to a person like Tim, to, to a person like Tim Mead, you know, and those guys he was with, Percival and Salmon and, and all those guys, Troy Glouse. I mean, it was like a family. All right. Well, Richard, always a pleasure to have you on the show. We appreciate it. Do you guys get food catered in the uh, studio? No. No. No, this is a low-budget show. Low-budget <laughs> show. All right. All right. All right. Anything for Heisty, you know that's there. Yeah, well, I know there that. you go. I know that's why I have him ask you. All right. <laughs> Richard, I'll talk to you. Say hi to Marty for me. Okay, thank you. All right, there you go. Richard Justice. And he's one of the best people around. I had no question about it. Uh, 